This is Roger Green, host of the Surfing the Nash Tsunami podcast. This weekend, we're offering five conversations from Episode 7, our review of the new ASLD NAFL practice guidelines with Ken Cousy. Plus, from the vault, conversation 59.3 from Season 2, in which we discussed a then-recent article from Jeff Lazarus and Jorn Schottenberg titled Advancing the Global Health Agenda for NAFLD. Ken Cousy starts this conversation by asserting how important it is that both patients and providers be educated on the solutions that are available today, ranging from effective diet modification to bariatric surgery and anti-obesity and diabetes drugs. Louise Campbell notes the pivotal importance of allied health providers, notably nurses and dietitians, in supporting these guidelines. Given that the allied providers offer more frequent and extensive contact points to patients than physicians do around some of these issues, this prompts Ken to share some exciting news. The American Diabetes Association is in the process of creating a consensus statement that will recognize NASH formally as a condition associated with diabetes. He reveals that he is chairing a committee working to create a consensus statement on this subject, which is consulted with an array of contributing stakeholders, notably including representatives from the dietitian, diabetes educator, pharmacy, obesity management, primary care, and hepatology communities, among others. Ken expresses his optimism for the momentous energy and convergence of fields in an unprecedented effort to combat fatty liver diseases collectively. Jorn Schottenberg adds that such collaboration will drive stronger patient advocacy and better education around the specific questions that physicians and providers should be hearing from their patients. These new practices guidelines represent one more positive step in the ongoing process of creating standards for how to diagnose and treat patients living with NAFLD and NASH. This episode explores the next major publication in the ongoing stream of new information and education, and an important one at that. So sit back, listen, enjoy, learn, and when you're done, join the dialogue on our LinkedIn discussion group. So, Ken, what do you think this will mean for patients, having this guidance out there? Will it make a difference? How will it make a difference? Ken Cousy. Number one is you hear from all these pharmaceutical companies doing direct advertising. What I would love patients is to learn that there are options today and ask their doctors, you know, I mean, what are my dietary options? When should I be doing bariatric surgery? What about treating my diabetes with medications that can provide health to my liver? What about pharmaceutical? Uh, pharmacological management of my obesity with uh, GLP-1 or now soon a dual agonist. We can't wait any longer. We need to do this now. And if any patients here, I would be very happy to ask their doctors. I mean, that in the United States, bioglitazone costs $5 a month. GLP-1 costs, you know, $1,000 a month. But if you have insurance, they would be covered. Your doctors are also beginning to understand obesity as a disease not uh, like um, a lack of will kind of pattern. Uh, it's a chronic disease and um, and treatable. Again, for those who are, have not followed this literature, if you lose significant amount of weight, 5 to 10% of your total body weight, that has a huge impact on reversing or halting steatopatitis and probably fibrosis. And pioglitazone, and there are six studies now that have been fairly consistent in its ability to prevent steatopatitis. So the time is now. And I think these these drugs will be combined with the drugs that are coming out and that we're going to talk in future programs. Right, Roger? Yeah. So, so Ken, I'm, I'm waiting for you to show up at a major medical meeting and putting stickers on people's lapels saying, learn to love pyoglitazone. Oh, I have. A, I, I've made them already. I have a box of stickers. Huh? I can see it in your future. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, do. Louise Campbell. For me, we missed something slightly. Not all patients interact with physicians. What I 
don't see here is how we get this to the nurses and where we get that comorbidity management because more people will interact with their nurses more frequently with their doctors. So when we talk about these guidances and guidelines, we really need to be looking at getting them to the front line of where patients actually feel comfortable talking. I've obviously had the experience in hospital recently where the member of my family, every time the doctor fronts up, says, I'm fine. My definition of that was, all right, tell the doctor how fine you are on a score of one to ten. Oh, that fine's probably only seven. That reframed the entire question that the doctor asked. But I know to say, you're not fine, define it. Because otherwise, we're not there. And my concern is we're not targeting some of these guidances to the awareness in the people who really need to know them and can upskill doctors doctors and professional colleagues, but also dietitians, psychologists, and really work their magic. So I'd like to see a little bit of more structure between the drug companies and these guidances getting to other areas, not just uh, physicians and GPs. I, I have some breaking news for that. Roger, you want to uh, the, get the latest and greatest. Well, the ADA is very active now. Well, the ADA for the, in 2019 just added NASH as a problem of diabetes and this year they expanded in January you should go all to the standards of care uh, their comorbidities they expanded the, the fatty liver NAFLD section and we are now going to create a consensus statement I'm chairing that committee and we are going to invite dietitians diabetes educators all pharmacy representatives primary care hepatologists so we're going to create a large consensus around all the stakeholders so they are educated among this and dietitians and nutritionists are going to be playing a big part in this also obesity management um, uh, leaders so we expect that maybe by summer the ADA will come up with a very detailed approach to NASH. Not quite in time for the ADA meeting huh? But almost. I'm pushing the people. We we are we are all very excited. We have a group, a very good group of people. The ADA has is aware of the problem as never before. And uh, you know, I went with a bunch of stickers to the ADA meeting, and it's working. So we, we are going to have a, a very strong guidance and support for the efforts that our European peers are doing, and all over the world, and ASLD and so forth. So I, I think momentum is gathering. Uh, but again, these things take uh, patience. So, Jörn, you started to say it was very exciting. Keep going. Jörn Schattenberg. No, it is very exciting. And again, I think, uh, you know, it's aligned with this guidance and then uh, the activities that Ken has just been detailing that it will bring uh, the disease awareness up. Uh, it will empower the patients to, you know, identify with their disease and actually vocalize to their physician, as uh, Louise said, vocalize and say, you know, I think I have advanced fibrosis. What is my risk of advanced fibrosis? And that will uh, help patients. You know, they, they'll know on what to focus and which questions to ask their physicians, in particular, if it's detailed in easier languages. And I think this is also something uh, that's crucial. Now, this guidance is very technically more from ASLD, more towards physicians and peers, but there will be parts. And I think the, the activities Ken just uh, mentioned on, you know, the outreach and the information, there'll be a lot of opportunities to also provide um, more plain language and explanations of what we're looking at here. So I've got our friend, Stephen Harrison, in the back of my head right now. Uh, and the Harrisonism I've got at the moment is meet him, greet him, and treat him. And since that was the um, phrase Stephen used to describe the duration and depth of a primary care visit, 
I'm kind of wondering how this is going to translate into that, right? We're, we're asking people to absorb new information, add tests. Well, what I, what I think is that this guideline, and again, we want to uh, congratulate the effort that Maru Rinella as a leader, leader and, and as everybody else did. did, did she has, they have bullets of what to do. You know, they have a statement in the table seven says off-label use of approved medication for comorbid conditions, recognizing there's no FDA-approved drug. Our, our primary care doctors are using left and right uh, semaglutide, um, which is promoted in the guideline because it has the only large GLP-1 randomized controlled trial with biopsies before and after. Pioglitazone has a number of studies that I think this audience will be familiar with. Vitamin E can be considered in select individuals, particularly without diabetes. Their long-term effects are still waiting, but many in the audience, so when I give a question, ask me, what about metformin, you know, or that is, you know, metformin, great diabetes medication but doesn't have a major impact on steatohepatitis. Statins should be used almost always. I mean, unless they can't tolerate them for some reason, but statins should be used, again, in people with more advanced or decompensated cirrhosis, the benefit has been less, there's less experience, but they can be using people with compensated cirrhosis. These are all things that can be done now that primary care doctors are doing it, but I think when patients uh, and their doctors know that there is a liver problem, the liver has a big emotional component. So I would encourage all the listeners to go out with this message and uh, make a difference in the people that they're seeing every day in and out. And now back to Roger. We hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the content of this conversation or the entire episode, please put them in the review section of the page from which you downloaded this conversation or send an email to questions at surfingnash.com. We will be back next week to discuss digital therapeutics and apps and their place in health practices in the U.S., the U.K., and other countries. Until then, stay safe, surf on, and we'll see you on the podcast. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye.